to get where I've where I am today, I've had to I've had to roll the dice a few times. And uh, I've definitely made some mistakes, but if I if I wasn't uh, if I wasn't a little bit of a risk taker, I wouldn't have got to where I am. I always I, I love football, and I I tell sometimes I'm like if I was a football coach, I'd be the guy who goes for it every fourth down. Like you just you got to be willing to put yourself out there to make it happen. I feel like a lot of that's the really good entrepreneurs of the world are not scared to fail and they take risks. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. And so it begins. The same conversation that starts almost every podcast, whether you hear it or not, it's either on mic or off, however it does happen. How should we start? What do you want to say? Do you know what to say? I don't know what to say. I want to talk about movies or my jacked up shoulder. What happened to your shoulder? Oh, we do have a purpose for the podcast, as usual. <laughs> we are interviewing Jeremiah Johnson from Jeremiah Johnson Brewing Company in Great Falls, Montana. I know I was confused because I was going to say Great Falls, but then I also wanted to say like uh, Whitefish, and then I was thinking Coeur d'Alene, and then... Yeah. Yeah. So anyhow, we'll get to that. But anyhow, he's what... He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. And he's, he's Jeremiah. The... He's the man. He is kind of the man. Yeah. His face is on the can. He's the man with the face on the can. Dude. Anyhow, can we back up? Uh, not really. We're backed up against the wall already. Okay. I meant you asking, you said something about your shoulder. What the hell happened to your shoulder? So we had this fantastic event that some of you might have heard of called Camp Carpe Diem. Excuse Kenny. He's drinking some really good bourbon right now. and when Self-medicating. He shakes his... Glass, you can hear the ice. Anyhow, yes. Self-medicating. We had a... Just put it out there right now. Great event. (laughs) We did, but in the... So most of you guys know it's our event that's around mountain biking, hiking, photography, and craft beer. But... um, It's called? Camp Carpe Diem. Okay. So we're having a great day scouting this trail for everybody, and like this was a bomb trail, really cool. And we're flying down the mountain... And coming down this, just literally just a blue trail, and we're probably about half a mile from the parking lot. And I'm flying down this run. Wait, I need to preface this with the entire ride. We probably rode about 10 miles, I think. Yeah, probably, give or take. The entire ride, I have to say it, I'm proud of my husband. Kenny was kicking some serious mountain biking ass. Like, he was on it, like on par the entire time. It was awesome. So I was flying down this blue run and I am like nailing it, feeling pretty good about it. And like I come up on this root that's going across the trail and the dirt goes up pretty much to the top of it. So no big deal. But by the time I get to this route, it was too late to realize that below the route, the, there's like this big hole that had washed out underneath and I was not clearing that hole and I was not jumping or I didn't do anything right. Well, you had a split. I basically had a split second a split to make, second. A, make a choice, and I made no good choices. And my front wheel went into the hole, and my shock ate it, and then kicked up and threw me over. And so I, I just, yeah. Wait, before you describe more, I have to say you did make a good choice because you actually rolled with it. I think it would have been a worse, in, could have been a worse injury if you like fought the rolling. Like you rolled with it. <laughs> so on that note, make good choices. But then what happened? So wait, before you say exactly what happened. So I was coming up over the hill that Kenny just went down and all I saw was this orange bike jersey like in the middle of the trail not moving. And my brain for that split second was like, oh shit. But they killed Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't kill Kenny, thank God. No, they didn't. But anyhow, what happened? So, so when, you thought it when was I hit a, that hole. Like, I went over the handlebars. I have no idea what I look like. But I know, all I know is I landed, like, square on my shoulder. And when, I, when I'm sitting there, well, I guess I was just laying there when you came up. But then by the time you got there and I sat up, I was, like, feeling around. I'm like, oh, shit, did I break my collarbone or something, you know? And it's like, oh, no. And I'm feeling around back there. And I'm like, well, it hurts, but didn't feel broken. And then... My finger like slips in between my shoulder joint, 
like a where your shoulder the ac joint i think it's called goes at next to your whatever bone and I should a... remember these things because I just got told them at the ER a couple weeks ago, but um, my finger slips in there and I'm like, oh, that gap's not supposed to be there. It seemed like a really big, like, sublux shoulder, but after we went to the ER, it turned out he just had, like, I like to call it a strain. Kenny likes to be more dramatic and call it. The doc called it a grade one separation, which he said was, like, the mo- like mildest separation you could have. It's so it's like the the best separation you could have because it's just barely separated, and it it was worse at the trailhead or at at on the trail itself. But by the time we got to see the doctor in the ER and stuff, and it wasn't like but a couple hours maybe at most, it was already kind of back more normalish. Yeah, it wasn't normal yet. But he pulled a muscle or a ligament <laughs> or a tendon, whatever it was. I pulled my joint apart. Pulled I don't know it what apart. that means. I don't know if it was ligaments, tendons, whatever it is. Whatever holds that shit together. All of it. All of it. Um, Stretched but it all out, that's all. I was going to say, oh, so it, it was his right shoulder, and then he has a oh. slight fracture at the base of his left thumb. So when we actually made it to New Belgium to visit some right friends. Right after the ER. Right after that, his biggest struggle was trying to hold the beer. That sucked, man, because, like, my right arm is, like, tucked up against my chest in the sling. So I can't hold do anything with that because that hurt. And then my thumb, my thumb didn't hurt that bad, but if I tried to grip anything, like, even now, gripping sucks, but... Hence, holding a beer. That was the problem. Exactly. That was a major problem. I was, like, trying to... And I did a good job. I balanced beer on my hand. Wait, with, wait, 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 coming forthcoming right here how do you hold a beer when you have a like a slightly fractured like a thumb that's not working properly and you can't use your opposite hand either you kind of curl the hand around close to the base of the glass or can or whatever you're trying to hold and you kind of like grip as much as you can with just your fingers and then you tilt it into your hand a little bit so the glass is kind of leaning into your hand and then you make sure you squeeze with what you can squeeze with with the fingers because then you got to lift it up and drink out of it. So, you know, it's a skill. Yeah. See, it's told you. It's a skill you. I have learned. Lesson forthcoming. <laughs> See, I told you. Actually, it was there. He just said it. That was the lesson yeah. right there. So yeah, that was if it. only I had our GoPro on at the time, that could have been. Oh, man, that would have been epic. But that, you weren't there. Well, you could have caught the aftermath. Still could have caught yeah. it afterwards. Anyhow. It probably would have been cool if I was wearing the GoPro. Yes. Because... Yeah, who knows what I said when I did that too? Because I'm sure it was like a bunch of oh shit, motherfuckers kind of stuff going on. <laughs> but that could have been transitioned and turned into an edited properly into like a movie. Do you like that smooth transition? A movie. Where we're supposed to be talking a little bit about movies? I, mean, I want to talk about movies too. Because I that's like going to ultimately transition into Jeremiah Johnson. Yes. So what? Because obviously, like most people, mm. like if you go Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, wow, that name sounds familiar. Where do I know that name? It's an old movie. Well, tell me more about it, honestly, because I don't really know a lot about it. It's a mountain man. Yeah, it's outdoor. a movie about a mountain man, which mountain man is Jeremiah Johnson Brewing's flagship beer that the whole brewery was founded on way back before it was even Jeremiah Johnson. So, but anyway. <laughs> So Jeremiah, well, he'll talk about this more in the podcast, but he's named after the guy in the movie, which the guy in the movie is a fictional take on an actual guy in real life. Who is the actual guy? The guy in real life, I forget his actual real name, but he eventually went by the name Jeremiah Johnson, but that wasn't his birth name. I don't know, blah, blah, blah. But he's this mountain man guy who lived out in Montana and stuff. Big part of it was Montana. And his wife was killed by, I believe, Sioux Indians. Hopefully you better have I, that hopefully right. Hopefully I got that right. I think that is correct. Uh, but I could be wrong. It could have been Crow. But either way, there was a tribe of Indians that killed his wife. And he swore vengeance upon that tribe. So this dude went around... This is a real guy that really did this. He went around killing as many Indians from that tribe that he could, and then he would Uh, eat their liver after he killed them. Why? Like, 
It was gross. What? I had to read about it. I had to find out. And Okay, Jeremiah Johnson is a really, really cool guy. The guy who owns the brewery. The man who owns Jeremiah Johnson Brewing Company is a really cool guy. This other guy does well, not sound really cool. he was exacting revenge for, his, for killing his wife. But I'm not I'm well, not You just excuse it. that. I am not. No, I'm not excusing it. This is what he did. But the the ironic part of it, I guess, is that eventually, and I don't have all the details, but eventually he came to become friends with that tribe. I should know the details in between, like how he became friends with them, because something happened and he helped that tribe or they helped him. And honestly, the movie itself... I don't remember the details of the movie because I haven't watched it since I was a little kid. The The guy in real life, the guy in the movie, has nothing to do with the real Jeremiah Johnson today that owns the brewery. Like, there's no carryover other than the name. There's And Montana. There's a Montana connection. But there's no carryover from... Like, I'm telling okay. you, Jeremiah Johnson, the guy now, the brewery owner, has not gone out on any kind of rampages or anything. Okay, so are are we like connecting this? Okay, oh my gosh. So then in, in the actual podcast <laughs> geez, in the actual podcast too, we're talking about because if I could speak, it'd be lovely. In the actual podcast, when we recorded this with Jeremiah, we were actually um in Big Bay just west of Marquette <laughs> in the UP. And speaking of another strange okay if we're gonna go with the murder movie stuff it's there you go it all ties together we actually were talking about this on the on the podcast with jeremiah because we were in there and this movie um called anatomy of a murder was filmed and because it took place there's an actual murder that took place in the 50s in big bay Bay at the area where we were staying so then we were talking about that movie too but we don't need to repeat that um because we talk about that on the podcast but i'm just kind of like what the hell, man? <laughs> so, I had no clue. He doesn't clue. have to prove it. I'll swear on a stack of Bibles right now. <laughs> that is not the same guy. <laughs> I the, had... the mountain man, Jeremiah, real life dude that did crazy shit a long time ago is long gone. <laughs> He's long dead. This Par is... for the course, as you and I chat before yeah. a podcast, it's time for us to shut up. Yeah, we probably should because I really should have more details to give you on Jeremiah Johnson, the guy, mountain man guy from the past versus this guy. It's called Google. Y'all can Google it. Anyhow, it's really kind of cool, too, (laughs) that we're talking about um, another brewery in Montana because uh, you have to listen at the end. Stay tuned all the way to the end of the podcast because we have a really great special announcement for you. I don't even know what it is. I'm like on pins and needles right now. This is like Deja. This is like deja vu. I swear we've had this conversation before. Yeah. But it's not the same big announcement. So please stay tuned. We have a big announcement. On that note. It's just you don't tell me things because I'll spoil it. So who are we I talking? never know what's happening until you, it actually happens. You don't. On that note, who are we talking to in this podcast? We are talking to Jeremiah Johnson, the brewery owner from Great Falls, Montana. Well, he's actually from Flathead Valley, Montana. but that's The brewery that's called... Jeremiah, Jeremiah Johnson, Johnson Brewing. Brewing Company. All right. We're shutting up now. Here's Jeremiah. Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast. We're here with uh, Jeremiah Johnson from Jeremiah, Jeremiah Johnson, Johnson Brewing. <laughs> That's right. How are you guys doing today? We're great. We're on the, sh- well, we're not really on the shores of Superior, but we are in Michigan Close. on this little lake. I think it's called Independence Lake in this cute little campground. But just a really quick history. We can probably talk about this uh, later, but it's really kind of cool. And maybe you'll be interested in it, too. There's a little tavern like a half a mile up the road from us. Yeah, if that. What's it called again? Longhorn, I think. I don't know. Lumberjack. 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 And it's this little area is known Ah. for this movie that was filmed in the 50s with uh, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Anatomy of a Murder. (laughs) Because really? oh, a, wow. murder, a murder took place in this tavern. And so like, okay. and the camp and it like spilled over into this campground that we're actually staying at. And they made a movie out of it. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And now like the calling card for oh, the goodness, tavern, everything having to do with them, everything having to do with the movie in it on the outside of the tavern, it actually says no murders since 1952. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, it is kind of a cool little dive bar, but it does have a couple of little, you know, local uh, craft brews there. So since we are talking about beer and stuff too, I think that's kind of cool that yeah. these dive bars now have like local craft beer. So speaking of local craft beer, I think Absolutely. we should head from Michigan to Montana. Yeah. And let's get it, jump into Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, which, you know, people probably hear that name all the time and go, wow, is there associated with Jeremiah Johnson, blah, blah, blah. Well, yes. And yes, I think the historical figure, right? And you aren't exactly that same historical figure, but you carry the same name. On that note, tell us a little bit more about Jeremiah Johnson. Oh, well, I, that, that's, a, that's a story that, you know, um, uh, what I've been told and what I believe if I speak to my, my dad is, you know, he really enjoyed the movie, which came out in, I believe, 1974. And I was born in 1978. Um so, you know, throughout my life, people would be like, hey, uh, you know, there's a movie and it kind of became a joke because I literally felt like I was asked that almost at least weekly, if not daily for a lot of my life. Uh, and so, yeah, of course, the movie. Um, but when we when we got into the beer business, you know, we probably got into it in maybe an unorthodox manner. Um you know, we didn't start brewing in a garage and, and any of that, but we had a, we took over a company that had a, a product called mountain man. And it was really most of their sales at the time that we took over. And it was a product that had, you know, kind of a cult following. Um, and when we started, we were going to keep the brand name, which was the front, um, but we got into it. We hired uh, a creative team to help us just give it a fresh look. And in doing so, they started joking with us that, you know, why wouldn't you consider using your own name? I mean, your name is synonymous with a mountain man. And, uh, um, you know, at first we were like, no, you know, we just felt we were, you know, it was a local brewery at the time. And so I, and I had a semi-public position uh, prior to being in brewing. And so a lot of people knew me and I thought, oh God, I can't put my own name on it. Um, but then my wife and I went and had a couple drinks at a bar and, and we were like, you know what, we're putting everything, like we are putting everything we have into doing this. We you know, it was all chips on the table. I'm like, let's just do it. Let's just put our own name on it. And we did that. And the rest is kind of history. We, we kind of blew up right out of the gate. You know, I think it's awesome. Now it puts, it makes me a better owner, frankly, because my name is on everything. So I'm constantly, you know, I think all owners are like this, but, uh, you know, I'm thinking about it hundred percent of the time I walk into any of the stores, I see our beer, I walk into bars, I see our tap handle, everything's got my name on it. So I'm hyper aware of, you know, our quality standards and, and just trying to be the best that we can be. And I think it's been really fun as we've opened venues in Coeur d'Alene and now Whitefish um, that people come in and, and they meet me. And luckily I'm just, uh, uh, I like to meet people and talk about the beer and talk about the brand and, uh, it's done well for us. So, uh, you know, that's kind of how it got going. So you're one of the more, in a way, you're kind of unique in the craft beer scene of today that when you jumped in and, and took over the front and started producing Jeremiah Johnson beer, like you didn't have a tap room, like for the longest time, you were in Great Falls, your, your production facilities in Great Falls, and like you didn't even have a tap room. Yeah. And that's usually everybody's way to their gateway to get people into their beers. So how did that work? I out? know. Well, it, luckily it has worked out. I mean, I think a lot of people prob probably thought we were insane, um, but we've just kind of done things our own way and it's working. Um, really the, the, the lack of the tap room in great falls really was due to when we, when we acquired those assets of um, the front you know, part of that was their production facility, which is awesome. And uh, we're actually about to outgrow. But at the time, you know, it's a nice, big production facility. However, it didn't have uh, a tap room attached to it. Um, 
And it really just, I, I knew in my heart, we were going to grow this thing relative. I just knew I was like, we're going to grow out of this production facility. So really my, I've had to stand by and, and not have that tap room in Great Falls, which at times has been difficult for us. And it's confusing for people sometimes too. just people who are looking, who are coming to town to want to, you know, have our beer at the brewery or whatnot. Uh, but, you know, thankfully we're to that point where we're soon going to outgrow this production facility. And when we do a new production facility, which I'm thinking we'll probably construct something new, we will have a tap room as part of that. You bet you have a lot of locals there ready, just chomping at the bit for you to finally get that tap room open in Great Falls. Yeah, I mean, luckily we've we've done a really good job. I mean, you can have our beer in a, a lot of places yeah. in Great Falls, and we have a partnership with a bar there that sells all of our products. But it, yeah, it's not the same. And so we've put the final tanks we can fit in the production facility. So at this point, I'm kind of giving it to see where we're at when we get to the holiday season, Christmas and such. And then, um, you know, if we're still at that maximum output, then, you know, we're going to start making plans for that new facility. And of course, we'll include a, a beautiful tap room as part of that. So you do not have a tap room, just clarifying for our listeners here, you do not have a tap room in Great Falls where you first started pretty much so where was your first tap room then yep ironically it wasn't in montana correct so we have a uh yeah Coeur d'Alene, idaho we um you know in our first year of business we we expanded in that year one into into idaho and we just had a lot of success uh with our beer and it was just like life happens you know i ended up on a phone call on a just a random occurrence um with some guys I'd done some work with before and in my past life. And one of the guys was like, Hey, everything on, in Coeur d'Alene is on fire. You got to get your brand over here. And I was like, Oh yeah, cool. You know, maybe someday. And he's like, well, look, I'm going to have my buddy call you. Um, and you know, it was just casual. I was like, sure. Okay. And um, like five minutes later, this guy called me and he had a building <laughs> Uh, that he owned for sale and it was a dive bar. And uh, interestingly, he had been a brewer in his past. Uh, and I was just like, okay, well, I'll maybe next week I'll jog over to Coeur d'Alene and we'll have a beer. And we did that. And by the end of that beer, we had an agreement for us to buy his building. Um, so we did that and uh, opened a tap room and, you know, when we did that in 2019, thinking back, like we didn't really know what we were doing. Um, but what we've been good at is just being very, very authentic with our servers and with our management there. And now three years into it, I know we're known as, you know, one of the favorite, most friendly places to go in Coeur d'Alene and People love our beer and our food is pretty popular as well. So that's been a, a real successful move for us. So now fast forward to 2022 and you finally have a Montana tap room open, although it's still not in Great yeah. Falls. How do you end up in Whitefish? Whitefish is a an area that a lot of people know for skiing and being near Glacier National Park and and just close to Flathead Lake up in Montana, which is a massive lake there. And How'd you end up in Whitefish? Yeah. You know, I'll just say this. I've had so many serendipitous moments since deciding to get into beer. First, we just took this chance to kind of step into a, a, a situation where a brewery needed new management. And the product happened to have the, the at the time, 90% of that company's sales were this Mountain Man product, which is our flagship beer as well uh but their product was called mountain man and and it had been trademarked thankfully and uh then we decided to buy it my name is jeremiah johnson and a few jokes get made hey what about your name and mountain man wouldn't that be cool and i kind of laughed them off until 
you know, some, the graphic designer was like, no, actually your name in print is really strong and, and will look really good as a brand. And, and then we hit go on that decision. And then um, we ended up in Idaho just selling our beer basically because of a LinkedIn connection I had made. And then we bought a building in Coeur d'Alene because of a random phone call. I forgot to mention uh, the building is on the corner of fourth and Montana Avenue in Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> oh man. And, uh, and then, um, you know, in, it was actually, I'm trying to get my time straight. It's pretty much right after we opened Coeur d'Alene. I'm from the Flathead Valley. I grew up here and I kind of always knew I wanted to, to bring, we had two, we had a 10 barrel brewery that was part of our purchase, uh, the equipment for that. And we had shut it down and stored it. But, you know, one night my wife and I are out in Whitefish. We had went to dinner. Uh, and I think this is sometime in 2019 or 20, 2019, I'm thinking. And um, after dinner, it was late. And we just walked to the corner of Central Avenue, Kitty Corner from where the Great Northern Brewing Company was. And they have a, you know, that's a grand building. And, and we looked back and we're like, wouldn't it be cool if we had something like that someday? And it was almost like a year later, uh, we caught wind that the Great Northern was shutting down operations. And, you know, I was in Whitefish in about two minutes at that point, because I, I was like, okay, they're shutting down. What's happening? Um, so as the story goes, they were still operating the tap room. Uh, my wife and I went in. It was a snowy day uh, around Christmas. Um, and we just sat upstairs at the bar at the Great Northern, had a beer. And our discussion uh, led us onto the floor uh, just to check out things. Because I knew that I knew they were going out, but I don't think it was public at this point. Uh, and the owner, Jeannie Konopatsky, uh, found out I was there and, and came out and talked to me and kind of told me what was going on and she was looking to move on and all this and all that. And um, just in that conversation, uh, she said that she had, she had already had the building sold. And I said, well, who'd you sell the building to? She gave me the name of the guy she sold the building to. And I called the guy and a few weeks later I had coffee with him and uh, the rest is kind of history. Now that was one month. The, the day we had coffee was about one month before COVID became a thing in this world. Oh, and at that moment, yeah, at that moment, you know, we had this cool conversation about our brand and what he was envisioning for whitefish. And at that time we were like, all right, let's get to work and we're going to open this this summer. Well, that of course COVID hit and it just, everything took forever. I mean, it actually took us over two years from that point. Um, uh, but we just kept our nose down and kept working. It was a tough, tough secret to keep quiet. I mean, we, we had people around us who knew we were doing something. Uh, but I think there were more people who were uh, just, you know, the rumors were rampant. What's happening in whitefish. What's going to, what's going to go on there. And, and then, uh, here we are. So we're very excited about that. That's um, that's our opportunity to take our brand and create new and innovative products. We have not had that ability because our production part of our brand just took off so much that, and we everything we make is going into package and going to our distributors. So we haven't had much time to play around. Uh, but in Whitefish, we're going to brew, you know, new and inventive beers there. And, you know, in a perfect world, it will be exclusive to Whitefish and Coeur d'Alene. So that'll be kind of your finally getting the tap room you've wanted, like the Montana tap room you've wanted now that you already have Coeur d'Alene. But that's got to be kind of yeah. cool for you, though, because... For people that don't know, Whitefish is about an hour north of uh, the the north end of Flathead Lake, and your family is down around that area, right? Yeah. I mean, you they have a 
uh, a really cool kind of bar on the lake called Dell's that that yeah. your beer is on tap there, but uh, it'll be kind of nice to have it in your own tap room in your own area, huh? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, the reception to Whitefish, we've been open like five weeks, I'd say. It's been great. We're flying through beers. I mean, people are, you know, loving the the hazy IPA and the Mountain Man, and we have a new Mexican lager that's been really popular. Um, but yeah, I'm actually sitting in my mom's house right now, uh, looking at Flathead Lake. It's right out the window out there. Uh, and, uh, I'm over here visiting for the day and yeah, Dell's bar is, uh, an institution. Uh, it's probably, it's town hall in summers. Um, my family's ran it for years and years and years. Um, and so that's, that's fun as well. So what was it like growing up in Flathead Valley for you? Yeah, you know, I left when I was 18 to go to college. Um, but, um, you know, we we're so fortunate. The Flathead's just, as you guys know, it's just a beautiful area. And when I was growing up, I had grandparents that had a place on Flathead Lake. I had grandparents that had a place west of town in Marion on Bitterroot Lake. Um, we spent our whole youth every summer we were on the lake the whole time we were either on the lake or playing baseball. And so, you know, flathead is just, uh, it's an amazing place and it's no wonder that all these people have, you know, kind of, uh, moved, moved here. I mean, people with the means are finding out about it and, you know, you come here and you see the beauty and the, and the weather and you're like, if I can, if I can make a living and live here, why don't I? So doing whitefish for us was like a dream come true and a no brainer. So while you were playing baseball as a kid and playing around in the water and all that, you had dreams of being a brewer as an adult. <laughs> no, no. Where did that? Uh, you well, know, it's weird. I didn't, I definitely did not. Uh, but I always had a love for beer. I'm not going to tell you how early that love started, uh, but <laughs> there's a statue. You know, of limitation. Limitation. Can't be prosecuted. Yeah, it was Calisville, <laughs> Montana. So um, we always loved beer. And, uh, you know, how I got into it really was just an opportunity kind of presented itself. And I had very strong feelings that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I was in my late 30s when this all evolved. Uh, I had never had the chance. I had a, a career and uh hopefully was semi good at that. Um, but in my heart, you know, I knew I had to be an entrepreneur. I just, it, I felt like it was within me my whole life. Uh, my mom would tell you I was writing business plans when I was 17 or 18 years old. She's actually kept those. And uh, I've, she gave them to me when we started out. And they're pretty funny. I mean, I would have definitely failed at 18. So you didn't uh, use those <laughs> in starting the brewery. I didn't ever know because I had no money. I, there was nobody was going to give me any money. Uh, so, and thankfully they didn't. Uh, but yeah, it just, um, uh, it just happened. And, you know, I was in my late thirties, uh, mid to late thirties. And I used to, you guys know the mighty Mo brewing company that opened up and that was right next to my office. And we would have meetings over there. And, uh, or we just go over there just to have a beer. And I just was like, man, this beer is awesome. Uh, really that's kind of where I, you know, I drank craft beers throughout my life, but not primarily. And that's kind of where I switched completely to craft beers and started, you know, dabbling with different styles and, uh, finding my enjoyment of IPAs and, the rest is history of opportunity present itself and we were crazy enough to do it. So what was, what was your professional life like before you decided to jump into the brewing side? And also were you a brewer before you bought the brewery? No, I was. So to answer that, no, I was not a brewer. Um, my professional life before this, I was an economic developer 
And so I worked primarily on industrial projects, uh, land sales and financing deals and uh, recruitment of uh, companies. Um, the year before I got involved with the front, a group of private developers in Great Falls actually hired me away from the agency, the development agency, which I had worked for for years. And I went to work helping them do a riverfront uh, redevelopment of a contaminated, a, a large contaminated site on the Missouri River in Great Falls. And it was through that that one of the one of the investors in that group, he he was the owner of the front. And, uh, you know, we'd meet I remember we'd meet on Wednesdays. And of course, we were supposed to be talking about development on the on the river and the progress there. But oftentimes our conversations started going towards the brewery. And so I started learning a lot about, you know, what he was experiencing as an owner and he had put together a lot of infrastructure. I mean, he, he was a guy who knew he's a uh, contractor by trade. And so he had put things together in a, in a great way. And there was a lot of opportunity. And so that's what got me intrigued and no, but when I stepped in, I, I literally didn't know a lot. I had to learn fast. So if this opportunity hadn't come along, it sounds like you had that entrepreneur streak in you already. What do you think you'd be doing if the brewery hadn't come along? Would you have, do you, would you have continued working your job or do you think you still, something would have come up and you, you still would have jumped in? Yeah. I think something would have came, came up. Um, most definitely. I was to that point where I just was really focused on, doing something um what it would have been is a who knows i mean honestly the joke before we before we were thinking of being in the brewing business my wife who i should mention uh you know her and i would uh, her name's katie and and i would joke with her because i like to cook a lot i would joke with her that i was just going to quit and open a pizzeria <laughs> and that was like she was like, no, you're not doing that. Like, absolutely no way are you doing that. <laughs> and, uh, but that was kind of, kind of what I was thinking. Uh, and, you know, I'm glad I didn't do that. So your, your new place in Whitefish, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have another, you, you and your partners have another partner in that. That's also, you have a restaurant with in the tap room as well. Correct. Yeah, the restaurant's called Black Star, which is kind of a, an ode to the the building name. I mean, the building has a huge sign on it that says Black Star, and Whitefish signage codes are are pretty strict. So if you take that sign down, you can't replace it. And it's you know the building's iconic. It's been there for for twenty five or thirty years, and so it's often just referred to as the Black Star Building. So front of the house uh, restaurant is called the Black Star. And uh, the food's awesome. And, you know, as we planned it, the fortunate thing about, you know, the delays we had due to COVID and the pandemic were that uh, we got to know each other a lot better as partners. And I knew, I knew, and we all knew how vital high quality food was going to be. It's a large space. So we have three levels uh, the rooftop's actually permitted, so the now the rooftop's going to open. Um, you know, I think there's seating for maybe 400 people in the building, um, so it's a large space. And so I knew that, you know, you, if we're going to put out great beer, which we're going to do, of course, the food has to match that. And so I think so far people have been really impressed. We do pizzas uh, from scratch. Uh, which are awesome. Um, and then we do smash burgers, which have also been a huge success. Uh, we try to keep the the food uh, on the lighter side. So the portions aren't huge. It's portions where, you know, you can crush a smash burger and an IPA and then order another one. You're not feeling <laughs> too full. You mentioned like 
being able to now like brew more creative, unique, innovative types of beers. What are you, what's some wacky stuff you're looking forward to there? So the brewer who is working there, his name's Alex Johnson. And uh, he's like a beer wizard. And he's, I was able to hire him. He was actually working for Big Sky Brewing. Uh, but he'd done a lot of small batch brewing with some friends he had at some of the smaller breweries in Missoula. Uh, he's a chemist by trade. That's what he, he got his degree in. Just a super smart guy. And he lives and breathes beer. Uh, I think it's literally all he thinks about. Um, so I was able to hire him this year, knowing that I could move. It, the agreement was that I would move him to Whitefish where he could where he can play because he, he had been at big sky where he, you know, he's brewing moose rule and, you know, and he's like, well, I don't, I don't want to come to Jeremiah Johnson, just brew mountain man. And I was like, no, that's not why I'm hiring you. I want to, I want to, I want you to go to whitefish and I, I want, I want to give you carte blanche to, to be creative and make great beers. So yeah, the, the five beers we're brewing to start, you know, are all new recipes that Alex has developed and, um, you know, we haven't brewed them before. So, uh, you know, I joke, no pressure, Alex, but you kind of got to hit a home run here. <laughs> so we're doing a, uh, a fruited tea size on, uh, a Belgian wit, a double new England, a dark English mild, which is like a, a brown ale, light brown ale, low alcohol, we're doing a, we're actually going to do a, a non-alcoholic hop water. Um, and then I think pretty quickly, we're going to be brewing an Imperial Stout. So those are all beers we've never made. Hey, our and address, our address is 3150. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're so, we're so excited about it. I can say enough good things about Alex and our whole team, our whole team, like, we're really under the radar with our team, but we have a, a just an amazing team of people uh, in our production brewery in Great Falls. I mean, these guys work their butts off. They work so hard. They're in there at four or five in the morning every single day, and they're just grinders. And now Alex, he's just he brings a lot of technical expertise and innovate innovative ideas. And so I think it's a big step for our brand. I mean, I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, over the next year, couple of years, we, you know, we, we find the next great beer for our company. The only thing that we're a little bit pissed off with is that you guys opened just a little bit too <laughs> late for when we were there. <laughs> That's kind of our bad. I time. know. Well, you guys got to come <laughs> back. It's been cheese. Uh, I mean, yeah, the the room, you know, the, of course, because the project took so long, like, and we had covered all the, there's a lot of glass from the street and whitefish, all the glass was completely covered. So nobody could see in so nobody could see what we were doing. And, you know, of course, rumors were rampant. I had people coming up to me, you know, apologizing that the deal fell through. And <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking, well, the deal hasn't fallen through, but, uh, you know, it took so long that the rumors really were rampant that, you know, no, a brewery is not opening and all this and all that. And so luckily it did get open, but yeah, it took forever, but it, it almost, it was almost good. Like all the speculation just had people talking about us so much, you know, it's a good thing. Yeah. So it just kind of built up that anticipation. And so now you're like, <laughs> crap man it's a you got like this massive rush of people wanting to be there now i'm sure and and you're just like man how do i keep up with this yeah <laughs> time for anything else outside of beer yeah i mean you know we're a small family so it's just my wife katie and my daughter estella who just started third grade and i coach her soccer team uh this will be year five which it's getting more fun to coach soccer uh she plays in a 10 and under division. And so the first few years were, you know, a little rough, but now the girls are pretty competitive and we've got a pretty good team that we've developed. We were unbeaten last year. So the girls are really excited about that. We're about to start that. And uh, 
you know, we, we try to be pretty active. Uh, you try to play golf and tennis and, uh, you know, Katie, uh, my wife thought we needed to unplug last weekend cause I'd just been so crazy. So we took off and went to Butte. We, we'd never really as a family went to Butte. So we went to Butte and hung out and they're filming, uh, the prequel to Yellowstone there. Oh, really? It's called. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's taken over the city. So it's like downtown Butte. Like, I mean, it's just, it's a movie set. And so uh, they're filming the prequels called 1923. So we checked that out and just kind of toured around the state. And so we actually took a few days off. That was good. You know, we're lucky. It's just the three of us. So we can, we're pretty uh, flexible. I mean, for as much as you love something, there's always something else that you love too. And you have to find the time to, to do all the different things. So that's really great. I love that you didn't even hesitate. You're like, yeah, there's totally more time to do other things. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no, we just, I know how, it, you know, I think probably most business owners would say this, but I, I can appreciate like the generations that are younger than me, like they really work work-life balance is super important to them like i feel like with my generation generation x like early on there wasn't really a lot of balance but i think for most of the people that work for me it is a it is a big thing and they're they're fully vocal about that and so we've i think we've done a great job building our company so far and, and i think one of the reasons we've been able to do that is i tell people look i'm going to give you all the flexibility you need as long as everything we need to do gets done. You know, I got to, I got to follow that too. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're from that same generation and as you, and you know, we were on that bubble of going from, you know, the manufacturing type mindset of you got to be at work from eight to four or nine to six or whatever it is. And, and you must be on the clock from here to here. And, and then you work, you're expected yeah. to work several hours of overtime past that and weekends and whatever. It was all work, work, work. So that at 72, you could retire. And then hopefully you still had a few years left to enjoy your life. And that's been a big shift, yeah. especially these last few years. And I think empowering your employees to, to like, just take responsibility for getting things done and not worry about, did it take 20 minutes or did it take 30 minutes? Did it get done when it needed to be done? That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. That's our policy. Just if if the work's done, like if in the brewery, all the work is done and it's Friday and everything's done and it's 10 in the morning on Friday, go have your weekend. Like we're not going to, we're not going to sit here till four for no reason. And so we're really of that mindset. Uh, and like our salespeople, we have a couple different couple salespeople on our team. And I'm like, no, like your job is to get the beer sold and grow our sales but if you want to go skiing on wednesday i don't care go skiing on wednesday just sell beer (laughs) stop in the bars while you're there yeah and you know hopefully i'm not a fool for doing that but i think you have to times are times are more challenging than ever so you know it's important to have healthy employees and, and healthy employees you know, you have to be happy. You have to have time to do stuff for yourself and you have to have time for your family. We try to do our best at setting that, uh, setting that opportunity for people. Cause I like to be off early on Friday too. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's hard for us is traveling though. Is like, I, we play, you know, living a life and traveling and working is we find ourselves playing quite often in the middle of the week. And so like that weekend yeah. comes around, you're like, Oh, it's Saturday, isn't it? Oh, well, I have to make up for all the work I didn't do this yeah. part of the last week. So weekends kind of meld into everything now. <laughs> I was just going to say, like you were talking about for your salespeople who maybe want to, somebody wants to go skiing on a Wednesday, work and play can kind of blend together a little bit. In any business or work environment, there's stress. But we talk about this as a team. At the end of the day, we make and sell beer. And beer is fun. So think about it when you're stressed. Let's put things in perspective. 
And yeah, guess what's up at the ski lodge? About 20 places that sell beer. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's a thing you can go do it. And um, yeah, we got to have people have to enjoy it and have fun or, or it will reflect in their work if they're not having fun. All right. A couple of last questions. Uh, favorite crushable sure. beer to drink? Like just something that you can just like, yeah. Oh, this summer. I have been crushing our Cerveza Mexican lager. And that's what we call it. You know, we generally don't come up with names for our beer, which is a whole nother story. But uh, Cerveza, it's a four and a half percent Mexican lager. And I think it's about 25% of our beer sales in Whitefish right now. And that's pretty much all I've drank all summer. A few hazy IPAs in there, but there you go. okay. So that's your uh, take a case out on the boat on the on Flathead. <laughs> yeah, you got to take a keg because we don't sell it in cases. But <laughs> yeah, even better. <laughs> yeah, way, way to upsell. <laughs> Favorite sippable beer? You have to take it slow. I, I'm sticking to what we make, but definitely Mountain Man. I mean, I don't drink Mountain Man weekly but probably every other week i have one or two of those and i think that's just a fantastic beer with with you know maybe a a, a steak uh, that's the beer of our lineup that i sip the rest of them i crush <laughs> <laughs> okay so you said it's more of a story but i have to go back and ask a little bit at least you said you really don't name your beers Reason i will say this we're considering naming beers in Whitefish. We have not decided that. Um, but for our core package lineup, which we produce seven beers that are sold in package. And of course, Mountain Man has the name, which, you know, we trademarked all that. But we just thought the, the brand name, we're like, we want to build the brand name. And when we started... Um, there was, and there even more now, but there was so, like the artwork on craft beer and craft beer packaging is outstanding. I mean, it's, it's awesome. We were, I believe, at least in Montana, we were the first brand that had white cans. And, you know, our goal was to create a billboard, uh, in the store, in the Albertson's aisle, basically. And um, so when we did that, we came out with all white cans and the, the, the text, the font was bold and very easy to read. So we saw a lot of like crazy colors and artwork and names. And we thought, let's just say Jeremiah Johnson and then tell him exactly what's in the can. And that was... You know, that was four, four plus years ago when we did that. And it, it did work. Uh, it's interesting. Now there's uh, a couple white cans out there, a couple different brands uh, who have the white cans. And so who knows, maybe we'll come up with a new design concept someday soon and throw, try to thro throw a wrinkle out there for everyone. But that was really it. We When we started, you know, not having that tap room, we were, we were production focused and and getting our beer on in placements and stores. And, and we really wanted to tell the consumer we wanted to be really straightforward and no nonsense because we think great falls is a straightforward, no nonsense place to be. And that's kind of how we started our brand. We, we wanted to be, we wanted to make a high quality beer with high quality ingredients and not a lot of fluff. And we just wanted to tell people this is Jeremiah Johnson Blonde Ale, or this is Jeremiah Johnson uh, Vanilla Porter. There's definitely something to be said about that, like mm -hmm. especially when you're at a liquor store in unknown places and you want to try and find a different beer. While the cans and the artwork is really beautiful, you're constantly just turning things around, trying to figure like what kind of beer What's is in this, this can, <laughs> and you can't find exactly. it exactly. And I think, you know, that works too. I mean, that works yeah. too. Um, what we did work has worked for us. And 
uh, it's been cool. Like people actually comment about it a lot and people are like, I love that. I love that's how you guys did it. So, but who knows? And Whitefish, we're thinking with the exclusive beers, we're considering if we can come up with um, clever enough names, we may do that. Yeah, you might have to as you get a little more creative and you, you know, you have three or four or five different like New England style IPAs or hazy IPAs yeah. over, over time. You right. know, you have to find yeah. a way to delineate between them. But yeah. Before we let you go on the podcast here, if you had to pick a beer style, style. I wanted a style, a beer style that described you as a person, not not Jeremiah Johnson beer, but Jeremiah Johnson the person, a, a beer style that that like was synonymous with your character and your personality, what would it be? Oh man. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's a seasonal thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm gonna go. Hey, I'm gonna go hazy IPA, and here's why: uh, because um, hazy IPAs to me, I love them. I mean, I rarely. I mean, uh, there's so many good ones out there, uh, but I feel like they're for risk takers. And I feel like to get where I've where I am today, I've had to I've had to roll the dice a few times, and uh, I've definitely made some mistakes. But if I if I wasn't uh, if I wasn't a little bit of a risk taker, I wouldn't have got to where I am. I always I, I love football, and I I tell sometimes I'm like if I was a football coach, I'd be the guy who goes for it every fourth down. Like you just you got to be willing to put yourself out there to make it happen. I feel like a lot of that's the really good entrepreneurs of the world are not scared to fail and they take risks. And I feel like hazy IPA kind of embodies that. Absolutely. Cool that one. That's cheers to cool. that. Cheers to that for sure. All right. Hold up our cool. virtual glasses. glasses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cheers to that. Thank you so much. This was fun. We've been trying to get with you for a while. I wish we could have made it happen for the time we were in Montana, but at least we did it, you know, virtually. It's better than nothing, that's for sure. Sure. Anytime. Thank you guys. And hopefully I'll see you in Whitefish or Coeur d'Alene sometime soon. Oh, you will. Or Great Falls. You will see us in Whitefish for sure. We'll be back. (laughs) All right. Cool. Cool. You know how we just ended it with saying, oh, yeah, we'll be back. Back where? Remember the big announcement I said earlier at the beginning of the podcast? I do remember that. I just wish you would tell me what the hell you're talking about because I'm never in on these things until the last minute. We had so much fun at our first Camp Carpadium and Colorado. in Ure and our second Camp Carpadium that just happened in Asheville Brevard. And we're going to have a third one. Can you guess where? Where, 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 where? Tell me. Montana. Yeah, <laughs> I knew it. And knew it. Flathead Valley area, so it'll be Kalispell, Whitefish, Columbia Falls, uh, hopefully somewhere Glacier around. Glacier National Big Park. Park. Glacier. The events are, sep- the dates are September 28th through October 1st, 2023. Those are the official dates. Those um, are official. Locked and loaded. Put it on your calendar. Yep, exactly. Put that on your calendar. Start planning now. And just stay tuned for all kinds of announcements via that. Tickets aren't on sale yet, but they will be soon. So just get excited because we're stoked and we're super happy to go be going back to Montana. Oh, hell yeah. I love Montana. And the fun thing with this one is we really know this area and like to take people out and show them off, show off Montana to them, this part of Montana. Uh, I mean, it. this is this area is high on our list. You know, like you guys have probably heard us talk about. Mm, playing the game where where could we live if we settle down again once we settle down again if we ever settle down again we have no idea but this area is one of those possibilities it's definitely high on the list high 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 on the list so whether you have been to montana or have not been to montana or think it's like too far from you or i don't know something's just not right let me tell you this let me circle back to what jeremiah was saying in the podcast like be a risk taker so yeah Start planning, take the risk, 
uh, you're not going to fail because you're going to come hang out with us. Let me tell you that one. Yeah. There's no risk in CCD, that's for sure. <laughs> no. But actually, though, I wanted to come back to that risk-taking thing because, like, we wouldn't be in the RV for four years, over four years, if we didn't decide to take a risk um, and just to jump at chances at doing things. So, I mean, that's basically what Jeremiah did. And he also, like, understood that when something is placed in your path, those serendipitous moments, that you have to kind of take advantage of that, too. So it's a combination of risk-taking and serendipity. Yeah. Well, and sometimes, such as in this case, what may look like a risk on the surface is not really a risk at all. It's a, it's almost a sure bet. Hmm. I'm pretty sure if you talk to anybody that's been to Camp Carpe Diem, it's a sure bet. I'm talking about life. Camp Carpe oh, Diem is like... Life's crapshoot, man. That's like... <laughs> No, you're either all in or you're all out. Just go for it. Fuck it. Life is a crapshoot. It's full of risk. You just got to make sure that you take the right risks. Well, you don't know if it's the right risk or not. That's why it's a risk. Because remember, as a very, very wise man once said, risk is what makes life worth living. Who said that? Mr. Warren Miller. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you know who Warren Miller is, you get it. If you don't, look him up. Take the risk. Jump on the serendipitous moments. Have a beer. Live life. And come to Camp Carpe Diem 2023 in Flathead Valley in Montana. Subscribe so you get all the information. What are we cheersing to? To... Risk-taking, taking risks? Taking risks to an amazing 2022... Looking forward to a beautiful 2023, even it, though it's not even in the year. I was like, it's not there yet. Don't wish time away. Cheers to today and taking risks. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer, travel, and adventure lifestyle needs. 